Have you ever, uh, have you ever jinxed yourself before? And I know that we're not supposed to believe in jinx and superstition, but a few weeks ago, on a Sunday, believe it or not, I jinxed myself. Now, let me, let me explain what the jinx was. So, if you remember a few weeks ago, we were talking about weeds, right? We're talking about how we all have those pesky weeds in our life, whether it's at work, whether it's in the family, it's at school, in our own personal life, and our struggle. We have these weeds that grow up in our life that we have to deal with. And we looked at, I think, five common weeds. Remember, I put the big red X up there in case we didn't get it. Lying, spending more money than we make, comparing, problematizing, and of course, last but not least, resentment or resenting, holding on to bitterness and unforgiveness. And then I talked about how, how can we deal with these weeds in our life? And I said, the first of all is we have to admit that we have weeds, we've got problems, we have some things in our life that we're doing that we need to deal with. And then second of all, I said we have to I identify exactly what are those weeds? Because the weeds that you're dealing with may not be the weeds that I'm dealing with. And one of the things that the devil loves to do is to deal in vagaries, right? You've gotta be specific and identify what the weed is. And then the D is, you've gotta take action and do something about it. Now, if you notice, A-I-D, it spells out aid because we all need aid and help. Anyway, I thought it was pretty good. So. It formed an acrostic accidentally, thank you. And gotta love an acrostic. So, so that was the message that I did a few weeks ago. Some of you were actually here and, and heard it. And then at the very end, here comes the jinx. At the very end, I kinda created a, a cliffhanger. Like I said, well, what do we do about it? What do we do about these weeds? And I said, next week, we will find out what we do with the weeds. What's the green check mark? And then I got sick. Couldn't go to church, then we had the global message. I jinxed myself. So, without further ado, knock on glass, we are gonna do the rest of this message that I held out in a cliffhanger and talk about proactively what do we do about the weeds in our life. Well, of course we have to deal with them, right? We have to pull them up. That's one thing that we need to do. We can't ignore them. Second thing we can do is just really, you know, you can chop off the weeds. You can get a weed eater and just chop them down. But they'll grow back, won't they? And then another thing you can do, I can hear someone thinking right now, Roundup. Yes, you can spray Roundup and that will poison and kill the weeds. But we need to do something proactive. It's not just a defense. Life is not a defense. Because God, if you look at our life as a garden, if you would, God wants us to produce. God wants us to grow. God wants us to be productive and fruitful. Jesus said in John 10, 10, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So how do we do that? How do we do that? What do we need? We need to pull weeds, we need the weed eater, yes, we need to round up, but here's what we need. We need 
the expulsive power of a new affection. Now that line is not original to me. It was written out by a guy, I don't know, 200 years ago, a Scottish theologian and pastor by the name of Thomas Chalmers. And he had a message called the expulsive power of the new affection. And that basically means this. If I want to de-weed my life, if I want to get rid of a habit, if I want to stop an addiction, if I don't want to repent from a sin, then I not only need to say no, 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 and have boundaries and fences, but I need to say yes, yes, yes to a greater affection. So we need to figure out, God, where can I find this greater affection that's going to push out the expulsive power, these weeds in my life? the expulsive power of a new affection. What does that look like? Well, I was watching a video recently of a guy who was in a jujitsu tournament and he said he's been practicing that martial art for two years. He said also during that two years, he has remained sober. So I assume that this person is going to meetings and stuff like that. But at the same time, what he was saying was he has found something that's positive and proactive in his life that has curbed his temptation to use. That's an example of the expulsive power of a new affection. Let's say, hypothetically speaking here, you really spend too much time on your phone. This is hypothetical, it doesn't apply to anyone here in particular, but just imagine you spend too much time on your phone, too much time on social media, you, you just live there, right? You're kind of obsessed with that. Imagine that. How do you deal with that if that becomes a weed in your life? Do you simply say, you know what? I'm gonna go on a social media fast. I'm gonna go on a phone fast. Now that would be a good idea. That's kind of the roundup way, poisoning it, that's, that's great. But a better way would be proactive to find the expulsive power of a new affection. So instead of saying, okay, not only am I not going to look at my phone as much, I'm gonna start jogging, I'm gonna start walking. I'm not gonna look at social media as much, I'm gonna learn a new language. I'm gonna take up art. And you find something positive, you find a new affection and as you're pursuing that new affection, so the theory goes, that will drive out or at least curb the temptations in your life. Does that make sense? So, as we're dealing with weeds in our life, and as we're looking for an expulsive power that's gonna continue on and on and on in our life, what do we do, what does that look like. Well, open your Bibles to the very middle, to the book of Psalm. We're going to look at the very first Psalm in the book of Psalm. Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Psalm 1, 1 through 3 is going to spell it out for us. You ready? It says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in the step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. So basically, your friends are a window to your character. If you're wondering, why are all these weeds still in my life? Why can't I overcome them? 
chances are you have not made new friends yet. Look at verse two. But whose delight, that's the new affection, delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree. Say tree. Tree, one more time. Tree planted by streams of living water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. I love this passage. That person, that person. I wanna be that person. I want you to be that person who is like a tree, planted, prosperous, and productive, planted by living water. So what we need to do in this battle in our life, in our family life, in our work life, at school, if we're dealing with these weeds, we need something proactive. We need the expulsive power of trees, trees, trees. Trees drive out weeds, literally. They provide shade, which the weeds can't grow. They provide mulch, which prevents the weeds from going. And some trees exude chemicals within the ground that actually kill and destroy weeds. So trees drive out weeds. Trees, what, they absorb carbon monoxide. They also exude oxygen. We could not live without trees. Trees. We need to embrace the power and the significance of trees. God certainly did. What's the most dominant metaphor in the entire Bible? Trees. What's the most mentioned living organism outside of human beings in the entire Bible? Trees. Open the very first page of the Bible, Gen Genesis 1, 2, and 3. What do you find? Trees. Open your Bible to the middle to Psalm chapter 1. We're encouraged to be like a tree. Turn to the back of your Bible to Revelation chapter 22 and the very last chapter of the Bible. And what do you find? The tree of life, right? Yeah, trees. So trees are ubiquitous in the world around us in nature. They're also found throughout almost all the pages of the Bible, starting with Genesis and ending with genuine leather. You find trees trees and trees. Almost every major event in Scripture, I'm not going to go through all of Scripture today, don't panic guys, but almost every major event is around or has to do with trees. Trees. And in this passage, here's what I like about Psalm 1, is that we are called upon to have a vision for our lives that would make us like a tree. 
Be that person. It's what the psalmist is saying. Be like a tree planted by living water who, whose delight is on God's word and following God's word and God's will in their life. Be that kind of person. Be like a tree, right? Trees are, some trees are thousands of years old. You ever sometimes just look at a tree and go, you know what, that tree was here before I got here. Way before 1983. And, and, that, and that tree is going to be here when I'm pushing daisies, right? When I'm gone. Trees. So wherever we are cruising around Houston, wherever we're looking around this world, we can look at a tree and that can be a reminder. Wow, God calls me and calls us to be like a tree. I want to be like a tree. Not a flower, not a blade of grass. I don't want to be like a weed for crying out loud. I want to be like a tree. God wants you to be like a tree. We need to understand and live out for a long time the expulsive power of being like a tree. I don't know about you, but until today, I've never heard a sermon on trees. Till today. But trees are everywhere. Trees are throughout Scripture. So we're going to get into trees a little bit starting today. And let's look at what a tree is like. A tree, first of all, is solid. A tree solid. I want to be solid like a tree. Solid. Strong. In my backyard right now, we have all kinds of trees, but there's one huge tree, a sycamore tree that stands out. And that tree is the OG. That tree has been through who knows what, how many hurricanes, storms, tropical storms, flood, who knows? But that tree stands because that tree is solid. I want to be solid like a tree. Also, I want to be deeply rooted like a tree. Deeply rooted. Trees when they're planted, they start searching and start going through the ground to plant deep roots. And the great thing about the Christian faith, we have deep roots. We have deep historical roots. We have deep intellectual roots. We have deep roots of men and women who have given their life, continue to give their life for the cause of the gospel. We are surrounded by men and women and through people throughout church history who are deeply rooted like a tree. So when I say be like a tree, be solid like a tree and plant deep roots like a tree. That way you can withstand, you can persevere through the storms of life. And if you're deeply rooted, you can also be productive. You can produce. That's what a tree does. A tree shades us. A tree protects us. A tree feeds us. Be deeply rooted like a tree. Also be legacy-minded like a tree. Trees aren't just living for the moment. Trees aren't just pulling that phone out off their branch and just scrolling all the time. 
Trees are thinking about 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 100 years in the future, the legacy that they are going to leave. That's what trees do. We can't live without trees. We've got to have them. So as we think, at, for, think about a dominant image for our life or a dominant image for parenting or for, for growing in Christ, think about that of being like a tree. I want to have a life that's deep. I want to have a life that has longevity. I want to have a life that's going to pass on something of meaning and something that's going to be productive for many years to come. My brother, older brother Ed, who lives in Dallas, was really a prodigy in basketball when he was a young kid. I mean, when he was in junior high, he was an amazing basketball player. And as he got into high school, colleges throughout the country started to recruit him. And so every day in the mail, he would get these letters and these brochures from all these different colleges. You know, Notre Dame, uh, from LSU, Florida State, where he eventually played. And he would get all these, you know, cards and letters. And they would say, hey, we want you to come play basketball at our school. They really didn't mean it. I mean, they weren't giving him offers yet, right? They were just flirting. But still, it's kind of cool, you know, liking sports like I did, to get all these letters. My brother, that was exciting. I remember one time he got this letter. It was a brochure, actually, from Clemson. Okay, and on the front cover of this brochure were a pair of like, I don't know, size 20 Converse All-Star high-top tennis shoes. Just the shoes, they were empty. And the headline on this brochure was, who will fill these shoes? Who will fill these shoes? And I like that. They were saying, hey, these shoes are empty now, and if you want to be a part of Clemson and be a part of the legacy on this team, are you man enough to fill these shoes. Now, the shoes that were on the cover were actually the shoes of former Clemson All-American Tree Rollins. Yeah, Tree Rollins, who was playing, I think, for the Hawks at the time in the NBA. But I liked that. That's what a tree is. A tree is legacy-minded. We have to realize that people are going to come in after us. That's why what we did this morning in parent-child dedication and commitment is so important. And we all want to be a part of it as a community, as a collective as well. Become legacy-minded, like a tree. And then when you look at, it's interesting, when you look at God's Word through this, this lens, this metaphor of trees, we see that the gospel is a story, it's a meta-narrative told through trees. You have the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in Genesis 3. Don't eat from the tree. They, Adam and Eve, ate from the tree. Their separation we have from God because they ate of this tree. Then we have in the very end of the Bible in Revelation chapter 22, we know that there will be a new heaven and a new earth. There will be peace. There will be joy. There'll be restoration. And there will be a tree of life, a tree of life. And we know in the middle of the story, we have the story of Christ. And we know that when Christ came, he healed the sick, he raised the dead, he cast out the demons, he set the captives free, then we know that public opinion turned against him, and he 
was taken and he was executed and he was nailed to a tree. Galatians 3.13 says that cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. So now the one who had just cursed a fig tree became a curse on the tree for you and for me. The tree was chopped down. Christ was buried in the ground for three days, a type of a seed. And then he comes up on the third day alive. He appears to his followers. He appears to over 500 eyewitnesses at one time. And he becomes the, in a sense, the resurrected living tree and calls, calls us to become like a tree as we are looking to him for divine strength and protection. So you can look at the gospel in a sense through the eyes, if you would, or through the experience of trees. Trees. Trees are important. Trees matter to God. God loves trees. God calls us to be a tree. So if you're looking at the the red X and the green check. The green check is this simple prayer that we can pray today in our hearts to God. And that is, God, make me. Make me like a tree. Make me like a tree. That's the expulsive power of a new affection. I leave you with an ancient proverb that said this, the very best time, the very best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The next best time to plant a tree is today, right now.